Hello, good evening and welcome to the Man On Football Show. I'm your host tonight, Keith Plunker, and I'm delighted to be joined by Shawnee Lawson and a special guest from All Leeds TV. It's Oscar Mario. Oscar, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, glad to finally get a win after um, it's been so long. It's been so long. Wins are harder to come by this year, but delighted to win, especially the way we did win. Um, so I'm buzzing at the minute, man. I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing. Good stuff. Yeah, it's been a tough year for Leeds, I have to say. Uh, second season syndrome and the talk of um, Bielsa maybe moving on must must be uh, hanging over you at the moment. But to get that win is important and uh, get yourselves back into that groove. You know, it's the old adage, uh, you're never too good to go down. But I think it's probably have a bit too much this season. Fingers crossed for us. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident we stay up. Um, definitely. I think obviously you've got to look at the season so far. Um, we've had Luke Ayling out for pretty much the whole season. Banff has been out the whole season. Um, two massive players for us last season. Two massive players in the Bielsa era, really. I think if you're looking at the top four or five performers during Bielsa's time at the club, I think every single fan, Leeds fan in the world, would say them two would be in there. Um, absolutely crucial for leadership. And Bamford, we've got to remember, was involved in 25 goals last season. Uh, 17 goals, 8 assists. I think any team will struggle if you lose that you know, from your team, no matter how good you are. Um, you know, it's So I'm not panicking too much, mate. Got some, we're still getting results here and there. You know, wins, draws. We've only actually lost five out of the first 14. So we're still hard to beat. Um, and that's the main thing. So I'm confident we'll stay up, mate. I'm confident, to be honest. And we've got January around the corner as well, in case we do need to... Um, bring in more depth if we have any more injuries so I feel okay at this moment in time mate to be honest good stuff good stuff and Shawnee um, this is our third show third week on the Man on Football show and we've been looking back on shows and we, we've been looking at uh, players to watch and we've been sort of looking at teams that we've been following and then putting in a nostalgia section but I think it was yourself who came up with the idea of doing one about the Leeds era and the Ridsdale um era at Leeds, how they went, you know, they, they flew too close to the sun, the old Icarus tale, they flew too close to the sun and fell back to earth, so um, I think you're looking forward to having a chat about this tonight. Yeah, look, it, it's one I've always been sort of, now don't ask me why, it's just one I've always been sort of interested in because the the rise and fall of Leeds is so rapid that it, it's, it's absolutely mental to comprehend how a club of its size, something like that can happen because you need to think about, like, maybe not in the last two decades, but Leeds are one of the institutions of football and in English football. You feel that they've one of the pillars, maybe, throughout history that would probably stand high with the history that they have at the club and the plethora of players they have playing for them. And even the team that I remember back then in the Premier League, the the Carlin Premier League era, um, the team that they had and just games against Liverpool, I suppose, that I remember. And I even remember that Champions League run. I even have memories of getting those games. So it's funny what kind of sticks in your mind, but it's mental how what happened to such a big club. And to be honest with you, tonight I'm happy to just sit here and be educated and learn more about it and just give me two cents then when asked. Yeah, no, that's true, you know, and that's why we're delighted to have Oscar on. So for everyone listening, obviously tonight's show is about Leeds and it, as we've just touched on there, you know, it's such a, a fascinating story for, for those who, we're not Leeds fans and, and Oscar, you've sort of had to live through the the 
the highs and the lows of this and, and there have been plenty of lows unfortunately since the these halcyon days but from a, an Irish point of view and Sean I'm sure you'll probably agree with me on this you know Leeds are probably the third biggest support club in, in Ireland certainly around the area I grew up in you have Liverpool Manchester United then it was probably Leeds the next most popular so it's a huge Irish influence there and, and they're a the club that you know they've always been like rivals of Liverpool's over the years going back you know to the to the 70s and Don Revy and Billy Bremner and Kevin Keegan and you know you can go back to those days and, and there's a rivalry there with Leeds but you know the, the timeline we're going to look at tonight um, is we're going to sort of focus on you know Leeds in 1992 they win the last of the all Force division before the Premier League comes in and um, they then the 80s were a tough tough time for Leeds they've come back up and they bring in Eric Cantona, they've a good team there, Gordon Strachan, they've got Gary McAllister, a lot of good players, David Batty, Gary Spade, you know, it's a really good team. And then they they sort of fall away again and as the 90s progress, then the George Graham takes over and Dave O'Leary is his uh, assistant manager, I think, for a couple of years. Graham gets sacked and O'Leary takes over around 1998. So we're going to sort of focus on that era when O'Leary was the manager because it coincides with Peter Ridsdale's time at the club as well and you're looking at a, a period for Leeds where they're challenging in the Premier League they're getting to semi-finals of the Champions League in um, 2001 but they also got to the semi-final of the, Euro- the UEFA Cup sorry the UEFA Cup the year before that so you know they were having good runs in Europe but when we say it was built on sand it was built on sand and unfortunately it all came tumbling down so um, Oscar I'm going to start off with you Uh as we touched on there, it was a, a mixed bag for Leeds coming up to this period. You know, there was some success and then there wasn't. Uh, as a fan, were you happy when Ridsdale came in and start maybe throwing money around the place or the the, the, the torn start going up? Were you happy at that time or was there any scepticism among the Leeds faithful? I mean... I can't, in terms of that kind of question, in terms of the, fi- the financial side of it, I was probably a bit too young to truly understand um, at that time, in terms of um, when, certainly when Ridsdale first came in. Um, but I think, I don't think there really was um, that much scepticism amongst the fan base, really. There was a little talk early on in Ridsdale's time of moving grounds, possibly. Um, you know, possibly doing what Arsenal did in the mid-2000s, uh, what Tottenham did a couple of years ago, what City did um, in the mid-2000s as well. And there was talk of that possibly being the case with Leeds. Um, heavily voted against. Um, thank goodness it was heavily voted against. Um, and that, that was that was one of the first kind of things I remember of it in the early kind of 2000s. That was a big thing. Obviously, we were progressing well as a club and there was talk of us going, trying to go to that next level. But, um, I mean, the situation was bad enough, but if we had a new stadium added to that as well, I think, blimey, it's... Um, you know, it could have been a Derby, what Derby County are going through right now. But um, so yeah, I don't think there was much scepticism because at that time, Leeds were the first to, to club really to have this major problem in English football. Um, it, what it, you know, it became known as doing a Leeds. No real big club, certainly big club, has really been through this before. You know, in terms of ad- administration, going out of business was more seen as something the non-league clubs did or the teams lower down the pyramid did. Um, obviously, you had things like the collapse of ITV Digital. Um, that nearly took out the whole Football League. It didn't affect the Premier League too much, but it almost took out the whole Football League. 
But that was even after Leeds, obviously, having the financial issues. Um, so it wasn't really something you'd seen before. So I don't think any fan, um, I can't speak for everyone. I can't speak for everyone. I'm sure there were financial experts who were Leeds fans who were looking at it and thinking, hmm, um, can we afford to have six international strikers? Um you know, in the squads, that was. I think you know, hindsight. You look at it and you think, "Wow!" In terms of the players we had, you know, it's like having Suarez, Lewandowski, and Aguero in your squad, kind of thing. At the time, kind of thing. In terms of obviously the money they were on, um, and in terms of the transfer fee we paid for them. But um, what I will say about that time is that um, George Graham actually left to go to Tottenham. He, he wasn't um, he wasn't sacked as such. Yeah. Um, he, he, he moved on to, uh, to Tottenham. Um, and O'Leary came in at that time. But um, the early O'Leary era wasn't really particularly heavily heavy financial investment. You know, in the first two seasons, it was very much built on the Youth Academy. Your Gary Kellys, your Ian Hart's. Uh, Stephen McPhail and you were saying before um, there Keith about Leeds being very very popular in Ireland I I do have, have that theory that it was the Gary Kellys the Ian Hearts the Robbie Keynes who came in later on Stephen McPhail as, as already mentioned you know those players that did well for Ireland at the World Cup in 2002 I think it was in Japan you know they were they were big players at that time probably you know certainly Gary Kelly was arguably one of the most underrated fullbacks in the world at that time I, I genuinely would say that and there were heroes in Ireland and there were heroes as Leeds players. And, you know, any Irish Leeds fans I've spoken to have said that was a big part of it, really, you know, in terms of, you know, seeing so many, um, you know, you compare it to Ireland's situation now as a team, you don't really have um, any star players who are big players for, like, the elite clubs in that kind of sense. You know, at that time, you know, you had your Roy Keynes and that lot as well to add to the mix. So it was a very different time for Irish, Irish football as well. But, Leeds were very much at the front of that um, at that point in time. But just to go back to it, I think from 98 to 2000, I would always break that O'Leary era into two parts. The first part, I think O'Leary, certainly as I, I was growing up, was probably considered one of the brightest young managers in the world, to be honest, at that point. Um, very comparable to kind of Pochettino's early time at Tottenham, really. The team was playing fantastic football. A lot of players coming through. Um and it was very much a case of, OK, they get one or two more players in, they can go that next step. Yeah, I think the first season under O'Leary, I don't think we did much league position-wise, but the second season we broke into that top four for the first time. I think we won at Ipswich on the last day to secure it. Um, and that was seen as, wow, big achievement, you know, in terms of you know, the way the Premier League was going. Obviously, Man United, your Arsenal's, uh, Newcastle at that time, back into the 90s, were fantastic as well. Chelsea were just starting to kind of come good. Liverpool, you know, I know obviously you had, were having more success in the Cups at that time, but you were still always there or thereabouts for the top four at the very least. Um, you know, obviously, Gerard Houdet was just coming in um, at that point, I think. Was he about 98 as well? I think Gerard Houdet. Yeah, so, you know, Liverpool was starting to become, you know, you know, become you know a top team again as well so it was um, it was a very interesting time very very competitive at that top end of the table and and that was what it was kind of built on that first two years you know getting the younger players through Harry Kuehl as well again he's not one we want to talk too much about because of um, obviously what he went on to do um, but it was um, it, it was one of them we had a lot of young very talented players in that team Alan Smith you know to mention too so you know, I can't even mention all of them. There was that many of them and it was a fantastic yeah. time, you know, in terms of, and it was really what got me into supporting Leeds, you know, in terms of you went to Ellen Road, you saw the, t the team on the TV, 
And it's just a team you've just fell in love with. It was everything that was right about football. Academy lads going through, attacking football, atmosphere, everything was just spot on kind of thing. And um, and it was just a fantastic time to be a Leeds fan those first two years, definitely. Yeah, um, Sean, you, something that Oscar's touched on there, you know, the makeup of the Leeds squad. So I'm looking at their 1998 sort of, who was in the, the Leeds team and the mix of experience and, and youth is plain to see. So they've got like Nigel Martin is in goal, but they've got Paul Robinson there as a backup. They've got like Alfie Haaland, Lucas Radibi, David Wetherall, all experienced players, Clyde Voinhardt, Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, David Hopkins. We're in there amongst all that, or oh, David Batty as well. You've also got Kewell Hart, you've got um, Gary Kelly, you've got um, Lee Bowyer. Danny, Danny Mills. No, Mills isn't there at that stage, but Stephen McPhail, Jonathan Woodgate, players that they're early in, in their career, but the blend you can see, I know hindsight's a great thing, but when you look back at that mix of experience and youth, it was clear to see that they had the core of a good squad, wasn't it? Like I know, as we say, hindsight is is great, but when you look at that, you've got um, Steve McPhail, Irish player, very underrated. He was a fragile um, player. A very He'd good have been player. some player. Had yeah. it not been for the injuries, he's one of those players. You know, when you, know, when you see the question, name a player who played for your club, you just wish had gone injury free. He'd be, yeah. I think for a lot of Leeds fans, he'd be well up there, well no, up there uh, in terms of Steven, discussion. Stephen Gerrard speaks very, very... Um, very, very highly of Stephen McPhail in one of his books as talking about him as, as in terms of an opponent saying that he was almost impossible to play against and I know that for, for whatever reason I think he sort of remains retained some sort of relationship or some because you know, Stephen McPhail was uh, up in the foul at uh, Shamrock Rovers a, a couple of years ago uh, helping out up there and uh, one of my mates was playing for him at the time and told me that the fella was an absolute wizard Honestly, and you don't get to that level, and it is sad, kind of like Oscar said that he was one that kind of injuries took away. But you look at some of the players you're naming there, Keith. At that time, they're some of the hottest prospects coming through in, in English football, and they only added to that. But me and Gav had like a little bit of a deep dive yesterday, and yourself, and you're looking at the money they were spending at the time, and it was absolutely mental. The fees, like yeah. Yeah, talking every window, signing four or five players at 15, 20 million value now in terms of inflation. There's just every window seems to be like six, seven, seven, eight, nine, ten million pound signings. Like, and there's, there's some of the names there. And a lot of those players went on to contribute. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Ferdinand, obviously, they, they made their money back on him because he, got, he obviously goes off to United for a fortune. But I'm not sure he had much success moving on any of them because. I'm sure we'll get to it in the end. Like Ridsdale literally had to sell off half of them boys to pay for loans in the end, and th- this is sort of what put them in the. It's kind of like it's pick your poison, isn't it? Like this was probably the reason they were competing in Champions Leagues and semi-finals and running United close in Premier Leagues with the quality that they had. But in yeah. the end, this is what came back to bite them in the end. And I think it's a great um, comparison Oscar makes there about O'Leary and Pochettino. He really was a highly coveted, well-respected coach and it looked like they were going on to do good things with a decent squad and it's just, it's mad the way a bit of mismanagement had Leeds had kind of held it together over that probably a four or five year period then you're probably looking at the back end of the 2008, 2009, 2010s 
that's when the money starts to really come into the Premier League throughout Europe and and through Sky TV money. And and Leeds just just missed the boat there. Like who's to say now what like what what would have been for them? So it's just it's crazy some of the stories I heard about Ridsdale and the stuff he was spending money on, not just players, but yeah. around the training ground and like spending X amount on fish tanks and exotic fish and all I'm like going like it was just it's absolutely bonkers and it's so sad because the biggest losers of them all was was the Leeds fans and yeah. Leeds is correct me if I'm wrong I've got Leeds is like a it's a one city team isn't it like it's just that's it that's all that's in the city of Leeds that's it like it's just dead. yeah everyone's everyone's a Leeds fan in Leeds kind of thing it's you know it's um, it, yeah it's different I know obviously to other cities you know you've got Liverpool Manchester you've still got yeah. that you know, and that, and that was a big thing, really. That's it. Just it really is different. I think being a one club city. Um, yeah, no, it is because I, I watched the all or nothing and um, the documentary, and they're going to these fans, and you can tell like it, there's like a labour of love there for them and what they've been through in the last sixteen years, and going so close, coming up from the championship, losing a couple of playoff finals, and all, it, it's been hell for them, Keith, and they literally paid the ultimate price for that because sometimes you can get away with it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you can go down like that and you recover quick, but they didn't. They just kept sinking and sinking. It's it's absolutely mad to fall from where they are because I'm a hero for Premier League years and all these, and they show the lead side and just some cracking players playing cracking football. And it, it's mad how how quickly it went pear shaped. Like it just goes to show how how bad look at Barcelona now like it just goes to show you're never ever too big mm-hmm. to suffer this sort of fate like Barcelona will be considered one of the biggest clubs in the world and they went early on the very end of the, something like this as well obviously they won't sink to the levels that Leeds did but it's it's absolutely mental like uh, they went from playing Champions League semi-finals to League 1 in the, in the space of 4 or 5 years yeah indeed and Gav if you can put them the, the signings back up there for a second so they they had a good squad um in the uh ninety-eight, ninety-nine. I think they add then to that with the I think Batty Huckabee Bridges, the Obri, they come in the next season, Wilcox maybe as well. They're not huge names, they're big enough names, but if you look at the fees for them like Bridges six point seven million, Dilbury six million, Huckabee six point eight million. Doesn't seem like much now. But back then, you know that that's a substantial amount of money to be bringing them in. Um, what I will say is, though, at Bridges was, I think the only thing with Bridges is another one similar to McPhail for me. He had his thing, his average first or second season. I think it was his first season at Leeds. He was incredible. I think he was, I think he was second top scorer in the whole league, and that was when we were really starting to rise up. Um, I think back being two thousand, two thousand one, um, or it might be the year before actually ninety nine, two thousand, but. Um, he just got picked up a really nasty injury and, and it was after that he de- never quite recovered and he would have been some player for Leeds and uh, convinced of it. Yeah, I think him and Baduku up top would have been a superb plan and yeah, I think you look at some of these later signings, um, you know, it's a keen fowler. Um, I think they were bought because, you know, uh, Mickey Bridges never quite recovered from that injury um, and, you know, not to say Keane and Fowler weren't good players. They, they did well for Leeds, you know, in terms of when they're on the pitch, they delivered. You know, certainly Robbie Fowler, his, his goals a game record for Leeds was very, very good, to be fair. You know, he's, um, 
you know, it's uh, I know obviously fifteen mil. You know, you're looking at what what is, is in kind of today's money. You know, you're looking at probably sixty, seventy five mil ish, maybe even it's, more than that. Like, um, it is mental, isn't it? Like, it is, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. You had two strikers there, you know, for 60, well, 75 mil. Scoring goals for fun in the Premier League. I'll tell you a funny one. I, I alluded to it last week, Keith, before this show was brought up, about a story about Robbie Fowler going to Leeds. And there was a lad in my class, I, I won't name his name, but uh, <laughs> he knows who he is. He's probably watching in because I don't. I actually don't know where it is a Leeds and says lie anymore. He was like me, he was Liverpool mad, but... He wasn't Liverpool man, more so Robbie Fowler man right now. So I remember you going around to this fella's house to play Blade FIFA 98 or whatever on PlayStation in the gaff and the walls were plastered with Liverpool stuff. And he had that, do you remember the old wallpaper? It was literally just the Liverpool crests just yeah. going sprawling across. So I remember Robbie Fowler went to Leeds and the next time I went into his gaff, he had the room covered in Leeds stuff and he's coming into school in a Leeds jersey. And he had the Leeds wallpaper and I was like, what's the story? I'll say his first name, Daryl. What's the story? Like, you, what are you doing? He's like, oh, no, I'm a Leeds fan now. I'm a Leeds fan now. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, Robbie Fowler. Just kind of follow Robbie Fowler. Yeah, I'm a Leeds fan now. I was like, what the fuck? Like, so that was kind of like how big it was at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was. It, it's mental to look back, like when you're taking inflation into account, like the money that they were spending. Fowler was no spring chicken then either, like, you know what I mean? He, yeah, he was kind of late 20s ish, I think. Yeah. When he was about 27, well, 28, I think, when he signed for Leeds. After, yeah, uh, literally playing top flight football from 17 and he'd go playing beforehand. So, like, like you said, like, hindsight is 2020, but it, it was just another one of them, like, just scar going from Leeds, like, but it looked like it was going to work initially, but again. It, in the ultimate price. Yeah, it was interesting because you're looking at these signings and um, they're, they're making them, to be honest, of all the players on the list, one of the best players on there that didn't never really worked out again for an injury for me was Eric Backer. Eric Backer was a cracking player, but he was always injured. Another player, two million that he brought in and they didn't get enough out of him because of injuries. And, and when you're looking at all these players and you can look at um, Bridges, bad injuries, um, Backer, bad injuries, uh, Matteo, I think he suffered a few injuries. Robbie Fowler injury, Seth Johnson injured. Like there was a lot of players that didn't work out because of injuries. And when you're paying that sort of money, you know it, it, the the next years on from that, you're bringing in your Rio Ferdinands, you're bringing in your Olivier de Corp, because all these guys big. Well, probably before that, big money, big players. But as Oscar touched on, you know how many forwards can you have? in a squad. I know back then they were saying, you know, four, you play a four, four, two traditionally. Well, that's, four yeah. Forwards. It's not like it is today, four, three, three. You'd have four centre forwards. But you had a lot of big earners, a lot of big money on the books there, didn't they? And, it, well, they were starting to reap the success. They, it looked like it, it was spend, spend, spend. Now, people were saying earlier in the chat, Bill, I think it was Dan Bailey said, you know, O'Leary wanted to build a steady and Ridsdale wanted everything now. And it's funny because Ridsdale blames O'Leary on wanting to spend. And we're going to come on to Peter Ridsdale in a minute, but his his part in this at the time and since then has been fucking deplorable, to be honest. Like the fella has never really taken ownership or responsibility for it. 
but they're going on. And with all this is happening, if you're building a squad like that, you're gearing up for success. And success was coming. They were challenging at the top end of the Premier League and they were going into Europe. So they've a good run in the 99-2000 season. They get to the semi-final of the UEFA Cup. They get beaten um, in an infamous uh, semi-final with Galatasaray. And we now look the backstory. I don't know, Oscar, if you want to touch on that or if you just want to skip over that. There's bad yeah, I mean, it's, um, I don't, yeah, the, probably I'm not talking about the game itself, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that season was where we really started in terms of league position to really start to progress. Um, you know, in terms of, I think, well, yeah, I definitely know as a millennium, as we went into the millennium, we were top of the table. Um, you know, we were, that's something, yeah, we can still say the end of the 20th century, Leeds were top of the table. That's, um, that's something that does get quite bragged about, uh, certainly during the League One Championship days when we didn't have much to brag about. That was something that uh, kind of got mentioned. Sounds a bit Everton like that, doesn't it, really? But um, <laughs> we've got we've got other stuff to brag about now, which is good. Um, but no, no, that was the season where, you know, in terms of obviously the signings, you know, were eye-watering amounts of money at the time, but they worked, you know, in terms of, you know, Don Matteo, big success at Leeds, massive success at Leeds, good player at Liverpool, I thought, but yeah. at Leeds, I think he was really starting to hit his peak, I think, you know, in terms of he was playing centre-back, he went to left-back when he had to, um, you know, it, he had good, you know, he had that ability to play both all sorts of positions, um, obviously, Rio was the season after, I think, um, the core came in. The core just gave you that bit of quality in midfield. Yeah. Batty came in, Thank gave you that leadership, um, gave the whole fan base a massive lift. That David Batty coming back, um, you know, it's it was quite incredible. Like in terms of the how much love there was for David Batty coming back. I do still think a lot of Leeds fans, myself included, his first time at Leeds was probably the more successful in terms of him on the pitch and what he won. Um, he was still a good player, but. Probably not. His peak was probably that first spell at Leeds, really. Um, and then obviously you've got um, traffic Wells come in. Viduka came in. I think it was the summer after ninety nine two thousand. So we were starting to really build a solid spine more than anything. Uh, Nigel Martin had been there for a long time. Was probably again. It's going to sound biased, but for me, I know obviously David Seaman was around as well. But at that time. Yeah, I think Nigel Martin was consistently, I think three seasons in a row was PFA Team of the Year for Leeds and Palace. So, you know, he he really was one of the top keepers in the league in terms of his shot stopping was incredible. Um, Maybe not the best ball-playing goalkeeper, but he didn't need to be at that time. Didn't need to be at that time, to be fair. It it didn't really matter. But certainly one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Um, I don't think there was any doubt about that with Nigel Martin. Um, and you've got the chief, Lucas Radaby. I mean, in terms of leadership, what he brought to the team, he just got better and better and better. Another player where injuries, again, yeah. it cost us a little bit, but still one of the top, top centre-backs in the league at that point. So the spine was fantastic. You know, Martin, Radaby, uh, Batty and Decor, and then obviously Smith, Smithy was up top, and we got obviously Viduka over the line the next summer, and, that, and it was really starting to take shape at that point. Um, Kewell, was yeah, I don't want to say it, but he was fantastic. He was a fantastic footballer. Um, he was one of the you know, best in terms of, He was one of the best. Yeah, players. I mean, I I'd probably compare him in terms of in that Leeds team, probably comparable to kind of like a Hazard kind of thing in terms of getting you up the pitch and just being able to do crazy. Some of the goals he scored is incredible in that kind of sense. But I'd say comparable to Hazard because 
he wasn't like a Salah or a Mane in terms of delivered week in, week out. He, he was inconsistent as well. He did have games where you didn't see him for like two or three weeks and then he'd come back and then he'd win you the game on his own kind of thing. Yeah. So a bit Already more like a Hazard long. kind of talent. Really type of player. Who's that? Sorry, mate. No, Keol, he was a very nonchalant type of player, you know, as you yeah, say, yeah. He, he's, he's bang on at it and you don't see him. But then when he's good, he was excellent, you know, oh, and, he, and he was yeah, no a player that nobody knew about. And as we said, the youth that coming in, you touched on David Batty there and, and David Batty coming back was a Leeds legend. He'd won the league, hadn't he, in um, the, the fourth division team. And he gave leadership as well because you're talking there, you know, Nigel Martin, yeah, I agree. He was probably the England tour choice keeper, nearly maybe not at this stage. Tim Flowers would have been ahead of him just before that David Seaman. He was so underrated, but he was a hugely experienced keeper. And you have him, you have Batty, you have Lucas Radibi, you have all these guys with experience, but then you still have these young lads coming in. And it just looked like it was gone. It was on the up, it was on the up. The next season then, they continue the progress the the 2000-2001 season and this season culminates in the getting to the semi-final of a Champions League what is there any standouts from that Champions League run like what do you what do you I think it's just the starting 11 we had the starting 11 you know name in terms of Marston in goal uh, you got Gary Kelly at right back, Ian Hart left back, um, and then centre backs take your pick kind of thing. It tended to be rather be Ferdinand, but then you got obviously like to Don Matteo, John Woodgate. So you've got four just top, top centre backs there. I'd argue most of them will. You could make, I could make a solid case for, for all four being world class, to be honest, at that point in that season. In that season, you know, in terms of Don Matteo's individual performances in the Champions League, incredible. Um, in terms of that, I remember that game against AC Milan. Yeah, it was a kids kind of thing. You know, Don Matteo is still thinking about it now. You know, scoring in the San Siro and that lot. I can't repeat the song because obviously uh, I don't want to get you guys demonetised or anything like that. But um, but yeah, incredible um, because it was a hard run. You know, played Milan, played Barcelona, yeah. played Madrid. Madrid. It was um, it wasn't an yeah, easy run. End, it, was, wasn't it? it wasn't an easy run at all. It, it was a great run, and but the player to me that always sticks out to me in that Champions League run, who to me was the pl- was the best player in that league. I know you're going to say. Can I guess who you're going to say? Guess who I'm going to say? Lee Bowyer. He was amazing. He was every game, every game, brilliant. And he was if, a horrible if, little, little egg, Yeah, he was. He was a horror. He was absolutely brilliant. I think he got six or seven goals in that Champions League season from midfield. Like this fella was, he was electric back then. And, you know, when, when you're looking at players, you, you touched on the defence there, Oscar, bring it into the midfield. They had players all over the park. You know, you're looking at a, a 4 4 2 would have been the, the system you're playing there. And you would have had, what, Bowie are off the right? Was he playing off the right? Harry Kane yeah, I mean. Left. It tends to be Bowie on the right, to be fair. Um, sometimes we'd go 4 3 3, but mostly 4 4 2. Sometimes we went 4 3 3 and tucked Bowie a little bit more inside, had Batty sitting, the core just off the left, and then kind of pushed Alan Smith a little bit off, off the right kind of thing. But it was mostly Lee Bowie. But the thing is with Lee Bowie was on paper, he was playing on the right. In reality, if you had a he obviously didn't have things like heat maps and touch maps and average yeah, position, yeah. all these kind of stats. It'd be everywhere with Lee Bowie. It'd be absolutely everywhere kind of thing. He was off. He was filling it right back. He was 
going up front. You know, as he said before, Keith, I think, yeah, it, I think he was pretty much man the match every single game, you know, in terms of just dragging us through. And it was, I'm not going to compare Lee Berry to Stephen Gerrard, but in terms of the way he drags that Leeds team at times in that Champions League run, you know, remember Deportivo, 2-0 down the first leg and 1-3-0 in the second leg. It was Gerrard-esque kind of thing, you know, in terms of just for the only reason I mentioned Gerrard is obviously, you know, in terms of Liverpool fans in, in this chat will probably appreciate it more from that kind of respect in terms of just individually, just at times when we're maybe struggling a little bit in games, just having that one talisman in the team. And that was Lee Bowyer, really. A lot of people say it was Kewell, but for me, it was Bowyer. I'm not just saying that because of bias, but just Bowyer could do everything. Yeah, well, yeah, Moyes. Moyes. yeah, Peter Moyes, the, the team really though, didn't he? Because you had Matteo Picard, yeah. Batty, you had Bowyer, and they were hard as they were monsters. Players. They were just, yeah. a, they were, they were like the daughter, the sign of Dordy Lade, but that was well before. But they, they kind of did carry that mantra because they were a nightmare to play against. Like, yeah, it was a battle, they battled everybody, it was always a battle with Leeds. That's what I always that's. What you are known for when you wouldn't play against them. players like Danny Mills then he'll yeah. just just dirty fuckers, you know, just love the battle and they drag things into it all the time. And that's what they did. That's why they got so far because although there was quality mixed within the squad, players like them mixed in with the tough nuts that they had. It, it kind of acted as an equalizer and you could see teams shrinking down to Ellen Row playing there because Oh definitely. It, the place was absolutely bonkers, you know what I mean? And then you had a few nuts running around the pitch. Like It was like a lady, just this mad cocktail and look how far he nearly went, Like you know what I mean? It's 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 meant that when you look back at like the there's so many like different players you can pinpoint, put it down to, but like we haven't really talked about even Mark Fiduki yet and what he was doing. Like, well, it was the blade and goal machine, like you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it is, you know, and I know we're crossing over seasons, um, you know, and what we're saying players but Shawnee's right, he touches on it. We've said about the midfield options Leeds would have had there, and that's without throwing in like Eric Backer that could go into the centre midfield, Steve McPhail if he was ever needed. Up front then you're looking at players like Alan Smith, Mark Viduka, Robbie Keane, um, who else would have been there at that stage? Robbie Fowler if it was the season after. Yeah, well, um yeah. And so I think now, um, other options who would have been there? Uh, I'm trying to think who else would have been there at that point. Um, Mickey Bridges, of course, Michael Bridges. I don't think you quite recovered from the injury at that point. Um, yeah, I mean, look, but you've got a lot of yeah, but He's always injured, I suppose. I think Darren Huckabee was probably still around at that point as well. So there was a lot of, I think it was the season after 0102 is where we had like the six international strikes at that point. But certainly, the thing is, though, options off the bench kind of thing, options off the bench. You know, I don't want to talk too much about Man United, but, you know, I think obviously Ferguson was kind of like the blueprint at that point. So, you know, you mentioned before, Keith, in terms of four top strikers, because everyone was playing 4 4 2. You bring two off, two on kind of thing. And that was what we had at that point. Um, but it, was, it did tend to be Viduka and Smith. They worked really well together. Smith did the running. Um, Viduka just gave you that class. He just gave you that class and, you know, he, he, I wouldn't say um, the Duke was the hardest worker. Um, I think everyone was, I think that's probably putting it lightly, but in terms of quality, quality, pure ball striking, I mean, I don't think, I don't think we've ever hit seen, it says, you know, when you just get satisfied watching someone just smash a ball kind of thing. 
I don't think I've seen any player in terms of just hit a ball and just just make it look like an art form, like Maduka did kind of thing, in terms of some of the goals he scored. I mean, we've not even mentioned the 4-3 in, uh, in 2000 yeah. between us, but um, I mean, it was games like that, you know, in terms of that special kind of talent. And I felt a bit for Viduka in terms of, I don't think he ever truly got the appreciation at the time or since his time at Leeds United in terms of what he gave the Premier League because you had you know, Hom Rees coming through. I think Van Nistelrooy had just come through at Man United and um, obviously Fowler and Owen at Liverpool, at you guys, Shearer at Newcastle. So, you know, you look at the quality of strikers in the Premier League then compared to now, I'd argue. I don't think now you've got that same real quality in terms of depth across the league. You've still got good strikers, but I think most of the top forwards in the league now are all wingers or inside forwards. You know, your Salas, your Mane's, Sons, or all these kind of players in that lot. But Faduka in this era would have been just absolutely unreal. Um, you know, in terms of having, obviously, I know in terms of pressing, he wouldn't have done a lot of pressing, but if you had the players along, alongside him to do all that, he'd have been absolutely unreal. And to be honest, he, he, he would be classed as one of the best strikers in the world. I just think at the time, he didn't get the full appreciation and um, the goal the goal record he had at least 20 goals every season um, crucial goals as well you know I said about that 4-3 just dragging us through that game crucial goals in the Champions League um, and it's just everything about he wasn't just a goal scorer either the link up play the amount of assists he got in the team he was, he was a monster absolute monster you know in terms of the stories I've heard about him in terms of um, you know Again, I've heard this story a couple of times about in the tunnel at Highbury. Um, I'm not sure what year it would have been. I 2001 or 2002. Literally having Martin Keown up against the wall. You know, just 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 having him, just having him in the like off his feet like that and against the wall and that lot. And um, you think he was a he was a hard he was hard to be fair, Mark Paduke. He was the quiet the quiet assassin kind of thing. Very very much a player that if you wound him up. He'd be a monster to come up against in that kind of sense. And um, and yeah, he's one of those players really that you look at in terms of after his time at Leeds, going to Middlesbrough was heartbreaking for me seeing that. I was thinking he's so much better than that. No disrespect to Middlesbrough, but he was so much better than that. You know, you kind of think, for me, you know, if he'd gone to a Liverpool or um, you know someone like that, I, I do think he was good enough for that. I do think he'd have been good enough to play, you know, with people like Steven Gerrard and your Carragher's and all those kind of players, I, I think he would have been good enough in terms of compared to like the strikers you did bring at that time. Just thinking, why did no one go for Mark Maduka? Why is he ended up at Middlesbrough and then Newcastle? And, and there was a lot of players like that, you know, on that list before. You're thinking they were so much better than what you know. I think obviously Don Matteo went to uh, went to Blackburn. I think Don Matteo, you know, could have easily done a job for a you know Newcastle or something like that as well. So that was the gutting thing about it as well. You know, the, your heroes and that. You think never truly got the appreciation they deserved um, and just unlucky in, in, in many ways. But um, but yeah, I mean, we've got to mention Ferdinand as well. He, he was the best centre-back in the world at the time. Um, he, had a, he had a fantastic World Cup as well um, in 2002 at that point as well. And I think everyone, absolutely everyone in the world was after him at that point. And I just remember that after that World Cup thinking, yeah, he's not going to be at Leeds next season. <laughs> it was just like, he's just the way, the way, and that was when we were, absolutely fantastic as well. You just thought he's destined to go to a Madrid or Barcelona. I was thinking, I didn't think he'd go to Man United, but he did. Um, yeah, but I did have that feeling that he wouldn't be at Leeds as soon as that happened. And and that's and that was the thing, really. Um, they were fantastic players. And 
the reality is they should have won a trophy. Really, that, 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 that's an area that really should have won a trophy. And when you talk about the best teams in the Premier League to not win a title, I think that Leeds team's got to be up there for me. Um, and, and it is worth mentioning, you know, I'm not criticising David O'Leary at all there. David O'Leary did a fantastic job at Leeds United. I will stand by that. Um, you know, as much as what happened afterwards was difficult to take, it wasn't on O'Leary that, that was on the people above him. You know, he's a manager. He's not the bank manager of the club. You know, it's the people above him to, you know, whether Ritzdale can blame him all, all he wants. I don't know, to be honest. I don't think any Leeds fan knows who did what. But at the end of the day, no matter what happened, even if it, if it was O'Leary making the demands, I personally think it probably was a Ridsdale um, based on, you know, the way the club was being run at that point. It was it was a bit of a marketing tool as well, because I'll mention as well, we had a big deal with Nike. Um, I think we were the first English club to have that big, big deal with Nike. Um I just remember the whole stadium, everything was Nike, kit was Nike, everything. Um, beautiful kit, that as well, worth mentioning too. And, and they, it was that first kind of big deal, you know, in terms of when kit deals weren't really considered that much, Leeds got that big deal through. And um, there was a lot of that with Leeds at the time, um, you know, in terms of stand sponsors, all these new things, big deal with Strongbow as well. And and to be fair to Ridsdale, you could argue he's maybe ahead of the curve in that respect, but then obviously the way he run everything else at the club, he was um, naive to say the least, but um, but yeah, it's worth mentioning too. At that time, from 2000, 2002, 2003, you had Man United, Arsenal, two of the best teams I've ever seen in this country. You know, in terms of the quality they had, um, it was very difficult, very difficult for anyone to topple that kind of quality. You know, in terms of as much as. As much as Mark Viduka was outstanding, Ferdinand, um, yeah, I mean the thing is, Shawnee as well. As much as I say, all these players are fantastic. Arsenal had Henry, Burkamp, mm. Perez, um, Sol Campbell, and that lot. And I'd say they were probably most of them were just that level, just above where you're saying kind of they were kind of in like best player in the world kind of category. You know, Henry and Burkamp kind of thing. And so, as much as you can say. O'Leary, in terms of the spending, was absolutely massive. There were some very, very good teams in that league at that point and across Europe, to be fair. So you can look at it one of two ways, but I always try and look at it through the middle, really, as that it was a successful time. Maybe we could have achieved more, but there were certain factors that went went against us. I think injury-wise, we had really bad luck. Um, I think I remember that 2000-2001 season. I think points-wise, that was the best. and Position-wise, that was the best we finished. But... We had a massive problem at the start of that season with the Olympics, I think it was, in um, Australia. Uh, Kuehl, Viduka. I think the Olympics was in the middle of the season, if I remember rightly. So Kuehl, Viduka, you know, their home Olympics kind of thing. They obviously played in them. Um, so I think we had Stephen McPhail, I think, up front from Mopsh at the start, start of the season. So obviously that wasn't his natural position. He was a bit more of a number 10, a bit more, bit, bit more of a wise man from time to time. He wasn't really a centre-forward and... So, yeah, there was a lot of things that went against us in that 2000-2001 season. And then Valencia, their semi-final, John Carew punched it into the back of the net and it's 1-0 Valencia. And all of a sudden, then you're chasing the game and Mendieta, Carew, all the players they had, that Valencia team, it was a fantastic team. Rafa's Valencia. It was just, yeah, it just went against us in that semi-final. And obviously, when you lose 3-0, it's difficult to say maybe it could have gone another way, but... In the Champions League at that point, when you go 1-0 down, we had to open up then and we got done on the counter twice. Yeah, the first leg was 0-0 and 
again, to be honest, Sean, it's a bit of a blur that first leg. I was still, you know, pretty young at that time, but I just remember we had one big chance at the end of the game in that first yeah. leg. But Valencia probably had a lot of the play in that first leg, and we were quite happy to get the clean sheet. And we just that thought Valencia team, we only yeah, yeah, we quite was. We remarked on that Valencia team on one of the shows not too long ago about the quality that they had and kind of Real Madrid were dominating European. Like they, it was them in the final, like two finals in a row, I think, around that time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. They did make two finals. I think they got hammered by Real in the final, and I think the oh, was that, I think they seen the I think it was. Oh, was it Bayern? Yeah, I think it was Bayern, yeah. wasn't it? So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't like a it wasn't like a throwaway Valencia team. This is when Valencia are one of the, the superpowers in, in, in Europe, so yeah. to speak. So, okay. it, it was a sad end, like the the way it went off a cliff. Like I would imagine if you had a if you brought many Leeds fans into a quiet room and told them how it was gonna go after that Champions League run, they'd erase it all just to be steady eddies and rather than have the, the sixteen years of pain that kinda Followed her up. I'm sure we're going to get onto that, but it's sort of like it's it's like the Golden Geese that never got to lay an egg. Like it was a really, really good side. It's a shame that they never won it. Really. Well, that's it. I think it would have been looked at very differently if we had won the trophy at that time. You know, still you wouldn't want 16 years out of the Premier League, but if you can kind of say, yeah, I think. You'd have one Champions League in the in the trophy yeah. cabinet. You would have definitely you would have sold yourself to the devil on the day. But it's like I mean? Villa, you know, Villa, you know, Villa fans still go on go on about it now. They won they won it forty years ago. I think Forest fans still go on about it now. You know, it's still a big part of your history. And I guess if you ask the Forest fan, would you take you know the last twenty years being in the Premier League or? have to give you Champions League titles back. I don't think Forest fans would. Maybe the younger fans would, but you know, it's still it's still a sense of pride in your club. But um, Ridsdale's big thing was, we lived the dream kind of thing. You're yeah. thinking, really, Peter? You know, you look at what Leeds United achieved before you even turned up. You know, they've won league titles. They've made, champ- they've made European Cup finals before. You know, they've won titles back-to-back. They've been dominant forces under Revy. They've been dominant forces under Wilco. You know, I think... I think really, in reality, Ridsdale just wasn't big enough for the club in terms of he's naive and just, I don't know, it's just like a really strange thing to say, you know, in terms of we lived the dream. We didn't live the dream, though. We didn't win a trophy. Living the dream is outdoing the Revy era, outdoing the um, think, the Wilco era. We didn't do that. So we can't, how can we live the dream? The appropriate title there would have been we chased the dream. And yeah, we ended up exactly. Up. I mean, I think that's, that's what happened in the end. Yeah. Don't get me I mean, wrong, come on. at the time, it was the excitement in watching that Leeds team. It was just incredible in terms of the, the you know, it's the forwards players you had, the goals all over the pitch, you know, midfield, quality players in midfield, the core, quality player in that mid- middle of the park. Again, another player who, who grew up in the France team with Zidane and Vieira, you know, a bit unlucky, didn't quite get his, you know, the appreciation he deserved. In today's game, you know, you look at the midfielders around, you know, he probably would have been regarded as a top, top, top midfielder, um, you know, in terms of whether that's me just looking back at that era as being the golden era of football, I, I do look at that era in terms of individual players that, you know, he's a dance and that lot were coming through at that point and it, in terms of individuals, it really was a fantastic era of football and, and yeah, I think a lot of those players kind of went under the radar because of that, but they were fantastic players in their own right. Yeah. 
they they really were. It was an, an amazing time, I'm sure, to be a Leeds fan. And nobody sees, nobody foresees you falling off a cliff. No fan does. You live in the moment. You're happy. You're in Champions Leagues. Ultimately, you fall short that year, and and it, it moves on. And eventually, Dave O'Leary gets the sack. I think in two thousand and two. Um, Gav, just bring up the slide now about the the managers and the stability that Leeds have had there. They've gone from having Dave O'Leary. I think he's there for four or five years. Um, he's building something. And he's constantly talking about you know, oh, me babies, the kids, this, that, and the other. Then you see what happens sort of after this and you're bringing in Terry Venables um, you know Terry Venables is at that stage you know he's past his best he's coming in you don't know what he's not bringing much to the table um, and then I'm assuming that's Peter Reid is it comes in after him yeah and then Peter Reid comes in and then Eddie Gray and I mean the thing is as well I think the O'Leary, the reason he split it into two parts is obviously there's that infamous book as well that David O'Leary did whilst he was manager, which was, to be honest, I've never known anything like that in terms of doing a book whilst you're still... I think Ferguson did one with, with Yap Stam, didn't he? And that, they had a massive falling out, Yap Stam and that lot. And uh, and yeah, I just don't think it can ever end well when you do a book where you, whilst you're still manager. Do it when you're retired or or when you either finish as a player or finish as a manager. But... Um, but yeah, I don't think it was, there was anything bad in that book by O'Leary that I can think of, like really, really bad. But um, but yeah, I think it was just like, it was almost like used by the media then to say, oh, we did that book. It's a massive distraction to the players and all this lot. You know, the, the media loves to pick up on things like that, but I don't think it really made much of a difference. But um, there was a game against Cardiff um, in that 2002 when, when O'Leary lost a job, an FA Cup third round game. Because at that point, when it got to kind of like 2002, it was kind of a bit like Tottenham under Pochettino. Um, when are we going to win this trophy then? It's been great this first four years, but when are we actually going to get that trophy? And the Cups were seen as a big opportunity. Um, and then the FA Cup came along, playing Cardiff away. I think we went one up in the game and then lost 2-1. And then you're kind of thinking, that's a real opportunity to win a trophy, that, an FA Cup. You know, we only won one in our, one in our history. Real opportunity. I think we went out in the League Cup early as well to Sheffield United, I think it was. Um, that same season, I might have got that wrong, but I do remember going out to Sheffield United at some point as well. So some really, really poor cup exits. And I'm not saying, I think the Leeds fan base, most of them wanted O'Leary to say. Very, very popular manager. Still a popular manager now and he very comes back to Ellen Road. Um, but I don't think, I think when O'Leary went, there was a feeling that maybe someone else could have come in and put, got Leeds just over that line and won Leeds the trophy. Um, you know, a little bit like Pochettino when he left Tottenham in terms of when they went for Mourinho, thinking he can just get them over the line and win, the, win them that trophy. That man wasn't Terry Venable, so. You know, in terms of everyone goes back to like Euro 96 and brilliant stuff, brilliant this, brilliant that, and you're thinking, England were the home team in that tournament. Yeah, they, I think they won only two games in naturally normal time in that tournament. They, they absolutely got lucky against a Spain team that was quite average at the time, got outplayed, won on penalties. Um, obviously, you know, lost the semi-finals of Germany, played quite well in that game and played well against Holland. But that tournament, I think Gary Neville referred to it the other week, that it gets very remembered in a really good manner. But you think about it, really, that England team probably shouldn't have been looking to win it. So you're thinking Terry Venables really... And then 
after that as well, he went to Australia. I think he went to Middlesbrough for a bit. Didn't really do anything in either job. And then he comes to Leeds and you're thinking... He's making Christmas albums now, I think. Yeah, <laughs> he's doing crooning at that stage. Yeah, um, it's. I think he did he, he go into like um, a joint manager thing with Brian Robson, I think, at Middlesbrough. Yeah. Something There was something like that going on. So it wasn't like he was coming from Leeds off the back of doing a really good job at Middlesbrough. It was just like... I can't remember it fully at the time, but I don't think it was something where it was like, wow, Terry Venables is coming in kind of thing. You know, you look at, I always say at that time, I wish we got the L's at that point. In 2002, just, just coming as Argentina manager, you're thinking that would have been the one. So yeah, getting Bielsa in charge of that Leeds team. And a lot of, a lot of Leeds fans fantasise about that. You know, Bielsa in, ter- in charge of the Duke, Kuehl and all these players that were still there. Uh, you know? Rinsdale would have had Bielsa jockeying a horse up and down the line or something. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether he really took the job, but someone like that, you know, there's a lot of top yeah. managers around who would have took... Leeds would have been a very, very attractive job to any manager at that point in time. You know, in terms of Mourinho hadn't gone to Chelsea at that point, um, there was a lot of Rafa had gone to Liverpool so you're thinking if we'd really looked there'd been a, there would have been someone that we could have got in who would have took that team you know yeah. it, it would have took us over the line and that, that was a disappointment so Venables comes in and he just upsets the apple cart straight away bad relationship with Nigel Martin bad relationship with Decor two crucial players to that team basically gives Everton Nigel Martin I think a lot of Everton fans I know regard Nigel Martin as their second best ever keeper after Neville Salville. So what a disaster that was. You know, we might have been 35, 36 and Paul Robinson was a good goalkeeper in his own right. But Nigel Martin, why would you do that? Why would you, why would you let Nigel Martin go that quickly? Decor, you know, what is the thinking behind this? Paul Oaken comes in. Remember him? Paul Oaken? Yeah. That's the, that's the Decor replacement. You're thinking... How are you well, doing you that? See, how are you, how are you bringing in? The direction that the club was going in. Like, yeah. You know, That's when the panic set in, I think, amongst yeah, the fan base. How, how unlucky Leeds were that to end up with the owners they did after Ridsdale, even. Like, well, yeah. It's it, not, it like, it's it's not like it's so, yeah. Exactly. It, it gets worse. Uh, but even before we move on to Ridsdale, because I want to have a right go at him, like, but something you touched on there, Oscar, was the O'Leary writes the book. You know, hmm. Jordan is tenure there and, and while some people see it as a distraction and, and maybe others are like, maybe it's not. There were a lot of distractions. You know, you had the Bowyer and Woodgate court yeah. case was going on. Um again, Lee Bowyer was playing some of the best football of his fucking career going through that. Didn't bother him one bit. But it was a distraction. It was a, a But I think that was worse, a lot, lot worse than the book. The book gets mentioned, but that Bowyer and Woodgate thing. Oh yeah, that was that was the one for me that really kind of did it because naturally it was disgraceful. Really, it, it, it was totally disgraceful what happened there, and I think maybe the club should have dealt with that in a very very different manner. Very very different manner that should have been dealt with for me. Um, you know, in terms of I think yeah, it's, it, it's embarrassing really when I think about back to how the club dealt with that situation. And that shows Ridsdale's inexperience in terms of how he dealt with that. We had that many players at the club before. Yeah, maybe we could have shown that responsibility in terms of how we dealt with that situation. They both went on to leave a couple of years later anyway. And I'm not, they're both fantastic players at Leeds United. But yeah, what happened there, we should have really, I think, been stronger at that point for me in terms of dealing with that situation. And that was that was a lot, lot worse, a lot, lot worse than the book in terms of what I did to the team. 
Yeah, and it's it and then Jubri, you know, Michael Jubri got yeah. roped into that as well in terms of I think um, you know in terms of obviously having to give evidence in that in that whole situation as well. So and um, and there's criticism for Jubri obviously for um, for for being honest um, in terms of and it's shocking now when you think about it. But that was that was all on Peter Ridstaff for me in terms of how he dealt with that situation. He should have just been stronger and dealt with it in a totally different way for me. Yeah. Shawnee, Peter Ridsdale. What's the first thing you think of when you think of Peter Ridsdale? What's what's the overriding sort of memory you'd have of him? Charlton. It's the first thing you come to. Like, what he done. Even he goes on, he makes a balls of another club after this, doesn't he? Like, Three or four. Yeah, yeah like, it's just how at the... It's kind of, you look at now what was going on with Newcastle and this fit and proper owners sort of test that they have to go through now like the show he landed leads in and what what happened after was like you could make a case that fellas like him should be really locked up you know what I mean and that's the god honest truth because it's just gross negligence on so many levels and like you said he he, he saw himself as the blade and star of the show there you know what I mean it was all about him he loved the light yeah. doing this and that and he thought he was the blade in cat's pyjamas but I, don't, I can't imagine what would happen if you locked Peter Ridsdale into a room full of Leeds fans, to be honest with you, because they ended up... They, I, I mean this in the least offensive way, Oscar. Do Leeds own Ellen Road again? Yeah, yeah, we, we have since 2017. Um, yeah, we've got fantastic oh, ownership. Because that's how bad it got. There you go. Yeah. Literally, we had to sell the ground. It was you know, 10, like 13 years we had the grounds. Three... Um, Three different owners, three different owners who didn't rebuy the ground. Bates sold it, um, didn't rebuy it despite promising to. Um, GFH then came in, didn't really take any interest. Chilino, you know, flirted with it a couple of times, but but decided not to. Mm. The fellow they have in now seems seems to have the finger on the pulse and sort to be perfect owner. Yeah, yeah, perfect owner for Leeds United in modern football. He seems to. He seems to know exactly what needs to be done in order to run a football club. And you know he's close ties with the people in the television who do the output. I, I was watching something yesterday and the funny thing was that the, pe- the person who referred, uh, Adri- what is it, uh, Radrazani? Rad- That's not- Radrazani, Radrazani yeah. yeah. Yeah, Kenny Dalglish was the one who actually told him to go and buy Leeds. He was the one who convinced him. Yeah, it's an interesting story that yeah. I think it was um, during the Champions League game where Radjan yeah, was just going to get. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's, incredible, it's an incredible games. story. So it's kind of like you seem to be the, the rose ground from the concrete now, like which which is good again. Now, I'd imagine if he's went, which I don't think he's will, if he's went down again, I don't think it's going to be 16 years again of languishing, you know what I mean? The club seems to be in a good place, but. When you look at the absolute mess that Ridsdale left there, like there has to be some sort of there's there's no consequence because he goes on to do it until a three other football clubs yeah. after Barnsley, Cardiff, Plymouth, um, Preston. At the minute, he's, he's not yeah. popular at Preston. Um, no, he's not popular. Yeah, anyway, I'd imagine that he's not even popular in his own gaff. To be honest yeah. with you, Mr. Well, Ridsdale has had enough of him. He's one of he's one of them. He's it just doesn't care, kind of thing. Ken Bates just didn't care what people think about him, kind of thing. It's just, yeah. you know, it, it's all, it, yeah, it's just, 
it's one of them. It's just see what they can achieve whilst they're at the club. Don't really care too much about the longevity in terms of what the future holds. And that's the thing with Leeds. And it, we've got the academy back now. We're bringing in some fantastic players. Um, we've got a brilliant under-23s team. We're investing really well in that. We've got brilliant players coming through. And it, it's back to what that Leeds team was back in the 2000s. Yeah, we've got a while to go to get back to the Champions League and that lot or Europa League or European football. But we're building. We are building. So we've, we've said before, we're following the Leicester model. Um, and, you know, it's not a bad model to follow, is it? You know, it's, it's given Leicester quite a bit of success. And, and yeah, you know, what second part of this season, we'll, we'll wait and see, see what happens. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at certain players from today's team that you just wish were there back in the 2000s, like Rafinha. Oh, if Rafinha is in that team, you know, with Kewell on one side, Rafinha on the other, Bowie in the 10, Viduka, you know, you're thinking it probably does get over the line. You know, KP as well, Calvin Phillips, you know, you're looking at players like that, Melier, when Martin moved on, you know, all these kind of players, you're thinking, oh, imagine if they had been in that team. And um, and that's what it was. I think I think at that point when Venables had come in, I think that I think a lot of Leeds fans acknowledged that maybe the, we've missed the boat to win a title, but they still had that feeling that we can just get one or two more players in, you know, not replace the core with Paul Oaken, <laughs> being a starting point. Yeah. Um, seems quite a simple thing to say, not even in hindsight, just bring in someone who was of the core's quality. But it was just got to that point where under Venables that it felt like we were two or three players missing from being competitive, but should never have dropped down the league like we did. I think um, I think we dropped to about 17th or 18th by Christmas under um, Venables. And yeah, we had some promising young players coming through. Jimmy Milner was coming through at that point. Um, that sums up James Milner's longevity. What are we, 2021 now? Yeah. Until about 2002, James Milner was coming through at that point and then uh, coming through as a striker at the time. And, and that was like a bit of a positive, but really... The fan base and talks to Terry Venables. I would compare it, to be honest. The probably the best comparison I can think of in terms of modern football is when Liverpool sacked Rafa to bring in Roy Hodgson. It was a terrible fit from minute one. Yeah. You know, you can just tell. Even as an outsider, I could tell Hodgson wasn't going to work out for Liverpool from minute one. Terrible decision. And when we look at Venables, very similar situation. Things he said in the media, you know, in terms of really trying to. Have lower expectations, talking about stuff like famous European nights and we're drawn at home to Maritimo and, th- and things like that. And you're thinking, really? Are you really big enough for this club kind of thing? And, um, and it's just poor decisions. And that was probably what it's most comparable to, really. Um, and yeah, it just never felt right in terms of the fit. Um, we're getting injuries galore. Robbie Fowler, I think, then went to Man City. Uh, Robbie Keane went to... I'm trying to where Robbie Keane will have gone to at that point. Well, went to Tottenham. Um, so they went, both went in the same window. Jonathan Woodgate went to Newcastle. You know, Jonathan Woodgate, you know, in terms of went in, who came in for Verdant. Yeah, that was a big, big loss on the pitch. And all of a sudden you look at it. Playoff loan, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Staying on Ridsdale, you're talking about a fella who took a loan out of 60 million based on future Champions League gate money. Yeah. And he just didn't get back near the Champions League. And it was, it was so madness. negligent, so negligent to do that. I mean, over the, the Dave O'Leary's tenure, he spends a hundred million on four seasons or something. And that is phenomenal money at that time. You know, for a team to, to spend that money, it was huge money. 
It's literally oh. putting your house on something in a thing yeah. in betting terms. That's literally what he did. He put everything on like 60 million at that time as well. Yeah. You're thinking, no club in the world's doing that. PSG aren't doing that. You know, no club, no financial superpower is doing something like that. And and that, and I think really it was the Woodgate sell, selling Woodgate, a local lad, that really, really started to make Leeds fans think, something's not right here. We are starting to head into trouble. Fowler then goes, Keane then goes in the same window, in a bit of relegation trouble. Venables wasn't, wasn't even under pressure at that point. You're thinking, can we afford to sack Venables? There's a bit of a question mark as well. Um, eventually it got that bad where Venables it was just like you've got to go I think I think we sacked him in the March over the February March Harry Kill was still outrageous from Leeds while he was playing for Liverpool yeah Yeah. still played by Leeds while he was playing for Liverpool so that just shows you the the extent how bad it got well he shouldn't have got his agent to um, to to diddle Leeds out of um, Leeds out of uh, what would have been a very, very decent transfer fee at the time, you know. So I don't, I don't have any sympathy for him for that. To be fair, if he hadn't been yeah. so, um, so stupid to kind of shoot himself in the foot, then um, then he, he wouldn't have, wouldn't have well, done I, that. But um, well, Alan Smith was aware there was a lot. Like, I know he goes to United, but he, what was he? He was supposed to go to Chelsea. Well, what, what, Alan Smith was a weird one, wasn't it? Something happened there where he just ended up losing a load of money and such a hard space of time as well. Again, I don't, I don't quite remember the whole story, but I do remember well, that he was, he was on that massive screen. You know, I remember when he left that there was serious death threats and all made towards him. And I'll obviously sign it for you. Know it was never going to go down well. But what there was a bit of a uh, skullduggery there, was that? It got to a point, Shawnee, where we were selling that many players. Teams smelt blood, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I think you saw a similar thing happen with Wigan, like different scale, but Wigan sold all their players for like absolute pennies kind of thing and it happened with all the teams that went out of business in that lot and it got to a point where teams thought they're desperate we can undercut them here it happened with Kuehl and with Dallas Smith Man United I believe were the only team who, would, who, who wouldn't just pay in instalments who would pay in full um, and that was the problem Alan Smith didn't want to go to Man United that's everyone I know connected to football outside of Leeds United has told me that Alan Smith didn't want to go to Man United. Um, obviously, at the time, when Leeds fans, we didn't know the full story. We weren't told the full, the full picture. You know, it was owner after owner after owner in that mid-2000 spell, just lying or hiding the truth or not telling the full truth and never really putting Leeds fans in the full picture. Um, yeah, and Smith went pretty much a couple of weeks after we got relegated. Um, and I, what surprised me about that was that Man United went for Smith rather than Viduka. I'm thinking, for me, Viduka was always the better player. Um, I know Smith worked harder, probably probably a, man, a, a kind of player the managers liked more, but it was just certain things just didn't make sense at the time in terms of some players went for big money, other players who you think would, you know, everyone was one, they didn't want. And just it was just a very strange time to be a Leeds fan. Um, but to be fair, Kuehl, Viduka, Smith were pretty much... I think Kuehl, yeah, Kuehl went the season before we got relegated. Viduka and Smith were actually still our front two. They were still our front two in the season we got relegated. So you're thinking, this is like, I'm thinking in today's kind of terms, it's like having Harry Kane and say, um, I don't know, who's a good comparison to Alan Smith in today's kind of game. Um, I don't know, I can't even think of anyone 
comparable to Arn Smith in today's game. You kind of know what I mean, though. They weren't wolves. They were really high-level footballers. Smith was a really good player. Harry Kane and Raul Jimenez, say for argument's sake, being in a team that gets relegated, being your front two, you're thinking, how can that happen? How can that happen? Even after everything else that's happened across the team, you're thinking, how can you get relegated with those two as your strikers, you know, scoring goals? And Viduka still scored a lot of goals in the season we got relegated. So it was just, it's just a really weird time. Sad time, but it was just, and it's worth mentioning that 2002, 2003, Peter Reid came in. We were in the relegation zone. He kept us up. Mark Viduka went on a monster run um, for like the last eight games. I think he scored 15 goals in eight games. Something absolutely crazy like that. Um, he had one of the best individual displays I've ever seen from a Leeds player away at Arsenal, um, which cost Arsenal a title. Unfortunately, we gave Man United a title there by beating Arsenal at Highbury. Um, was it worth it? Because we got relegated this season after. Probably wasn't. Probably should have just rolled over and lost 5-0, to be honest. But again, it kept us up for another season. But yeah, it was, it was an incredible performance. And we just... Really pulled the rabbit out of the hat to stay up in that first season, really, you know, in 2002, 2003. And it just never got better in 2003, 2004. Um, in fairness to Peter Reid, you know, at that point, we were really struggling to bring in quality in terms of new players. This team was aging at that point. Um, and obviously, we were having to sell players all the time. So, you know, it's just like, you know, you're having to bring in people like Zumana Kamara, um, Rocky Jr. Yeah. yeah, Rocky Jr. was a World Cup winner at that point. He did not play like a World Cup winner for Leeds United, I'll just say that much. That was an absolute disaster of a signing. But a lot of Leeds fans were absolutely over the moon that we got someone like Rocky Jr. in at the club. And he just turned into an absolute disaster of a signing for Leeds, unfortunately. Um, Seth Johnson came in around that time, maybe. No, sorry, Seth Johnson finally came back from injury around that time. You really realised just how average a player Leeds had brought in. Um, we had people like, um, oh, what's his name? What's his name now? Oh, Frank Lampard's assistant at Chelsea, Jody Morris. <sighs> Dearie me. Um, we're talking some of the worst players who've ever played for Leeds, you know, in starting games at the time kind of thing. Well, you're it's it interesting just... that you're mentioning them, Oscar, because, you know, we've spoke about the quality that was there and, and Leeds had spent a lot of money to get that and now you're going to this shite that yeah. you're getting... Fed Big drop off stage, you know the the drop off was absolutely huge. But you touched on Seth Johnson there, and there's the story that Seth Johnson comes from Derby, and and he, him and his agent are in negotiating. And oh yeah, they, 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 I don't know the figures. You two probably know the figures, but they're like we'll we'll take this, we'll take fifty grand they walked in thinking if we can get 20 grand a week, I know it doesn't sound a lot, but in those days it was massive money. It was only if we get 20 grand a week out of this, we're happy. Walk into the dread into the thingy. Peter Isdell says, You're not having a penny more than 50, I think it was. 50. And said, Where do we sign? Yeah. Whoa. That sums it up. That sums it up, I'd though. Say, that's, that's... I'd say the sweat was pumping out of um, Seth Johnson and his agent, and his hand was shaking signing the contract, oh. but he couldn't sign it quick enough. But it just shows the mismanagement. We'll just hold another story that leads. But it's worth mentioning. Sorry, Keith, just to mention with the yeah, Seth Johnson yeah. thing. We had a choice between Frank Lampard, who was at West Ham at the time, and Seth Johnson. Look, Frank Lampard wasn't the player he was then, but that was the choice we had kind of thing. You're thinking, yeah. how can we let that happen? You know, Frank Lampard a lot would have been a lot cheaper, um, probably more the style of midfielder we needed, someone who was a bit more of a goal scorer to complement the likes of 
decor um, and Batty and that lot could have been a nice compliment to them. Seth Johnson wasn't really any different, but just wasn't nowhere near the quality of Batty and decor at any point at Derby. So that summed up a lot of it. And there was a lot of players like that where, where we went for one player and we could have had another kind of thing. Um, I heard a thing, I'm never sure how true this was, but I heard a thing about Batty Stuter came available at one point for Leeds. You know, Batty Stuter was probably the best striker in the world at that point. Um, again, I never know how true that was, but we didn't go down that road. Um, again, I'm, I'm, I'll real strictly say I've only heard rumours about that one, but um, but it's just summed it up. We made so many poor well, decisions. Like Seth Johnson, fifty grand a week. Yeah. You have to imagine Batty Stewart's agent was looking, saying, "All right, we might be able to get a pretty penny there." So I wouldn't surprise me at all, to be honest no. with you. But but that is true because when agents smell blood. They're like sharks and they'll be offering yeah. every player. And it's like, look, go to Leeds. You'll get well paid for it. You'll get well rewarded and you'll move on in a year. It's you get the a reputation. I've gone to China in the latter years. You know, players, big players going over on the cash grab to China and more or less their agent telling them, look, do a year over there, get mm-hmm. your money and then just move on again. And that, that's what was probably happening because Leeds were seen as a soft touch. Well, Peter Ridsdale. Like my United pain. now, really. Yeah. Yeah. But said- that's it. Exactly, it's a good comparison, man. United now, you know, agents know you'll get top dollar here if you sign for these. You just go in there and you will get top money. But Ridsdale, he, he goes, you know, he maintained that it wasn't him. It was Dave O'Leary um, who wanted to to spend all this money. He says, famously says, you know, we were, we were living the dream. You know, the fella just never took any responsibility for what he'd done. He leaves Leeds in 2003, I think. He steps down in 2003. Yeah, I think it's just at the end of 2003, I think. And they're 100 million in debt. Do you know what I mean? 100 million in debt at that stage. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, for a team that's... You know, they, they've been to the highs. I know they didn't win the Champions League, but they're getting the semi-finals. They're beating good teams. They're, they're putting her up against them. They've The nucleus of a young squad there, that should be 10 years that you can sort of maintain this. And the mismanagement just it just went. And afterwards, you're talking about a, a, an ownership, absolute clusterfuck of what goes on afterwards. Ken Bates Well, that's in. it. I mean, well, no, right? There's actually two between... Ridsdale and Ken Bates, very, very short terms. But there's uh, Professor John McKenzie came in. Um, again, I think he was only at Leeds for about two, three months. Um, Gerald Krasner comes in. Um, he claims to be a big, big Leeds fan. I'm this big, big Leeds fan and all this stuff, all this usual rubbish in that lot and basically sells a club to Ken Bates. That's how big a Leeds fan he was kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was an interesting one. It was an interesting one, but... You know, they were very short-term. I'm not saying they were to blame for our financial situation, but didn't really improve the situation at all. Yeah. Um, you know, we actually got relegated whilst we were there. Um, and yeah, it was just it just never felt like it was going to get better. And then obviously Bates comes in whilst we're in the championship, so whether you want to go to that next. But I'll. Um, but then obviously going to 2003, 2004, the actual relegation season, I think we conceded something mad, like 80 goals, I think, that season. Um, you know, had a lot of attacking quality, but you know the players he brought in just didn't work hard enough. Didn't fit into the ethos at all. Um, said all he said about people like Jody Morris. Um, you know, just 
they just didn't do enough off the ball either. They weren't particularly good on it, but they weren't even like workhorses in midfield or workhorses out wide in that lot. They just weren't great. Uh, Jermaine Pennant, I think, was playing. Yeah, Jermaine Pennant would have been at Leeds at that time. Again, showed glimpses of the quality. I will say that much. He did show glimpses of the quality. You, you can see he was a player there, but I think really probably too inexperienced to really affect things in a relegation battle at that point. You can't be relying on someone who's probably 18, 19 at the time to save a club on his own. You know, certainly a club that side is going to think where the pressure is just absolutely huge every week. Um, injuries as well. Don Matteo rather be picked up big injuries. So we never really had our first choice centre-back pairing. It was Stephen Coleswell. Um, you know, kind of at centre-back, you're thinking that's a big, big drop-off kind of thing. He's not even the best Coldwell brother anyway. You know, Gary Coldwell <laughs> was probably a better centre-back than Stephen. So that kind of summed it up kind of thing. It was just, it was just lacking... There were still players in that team, though, that you could really, really relate to. You know, your Gary Kelly's, Don Matteo's, Radderby, Viduka Smith, but they just weren't complemented with enough quality. And when we did lose people like Decor, we didn't replace them with enough quality. And, and that's ultimately what it came down to. And, you know, I can't say Viduka and Kelly all of a sudden didn't play well in that season we got relegated because it, that isn't true. They still played at the same level they were playing in the Champions League era. But when you lose so much quality that you already had and all the balance and then you change the manager and all this lot. Um, you're asking a lot at that point. You're asking a lot. And then when there's not there's nothing to spend in the window, all of a sudden Leeds isn't becoming an attractive club to go to either for, for players and that lot. And you're just in a really, really dark place as a football club. And um, we get relegated, really weak relegation as well. Uh, we go down 4-1 at Bolton and that's it. You know, it's the um, is it really? I think I think we played Portsmouth as well a week before, um, Blackburn as well. Two teams that were down with us. We had to win both games to kind of give ourselves a chance. We beat Blackburn, but then we got beat home to Portsmouth, so we didn't deserve to stay up, and we didn't stay up. Ultimately, we just um, it was heartbreaking because ultimately, um, you know, Eddie Gray came in and the. Yeah, we gave it a really good go when Eddie Gray came in, but we were just too far adrift under Peter Reid at the back end of that um, of that spell. Um, you know, it it's just yeah, it's what it got to that point when Ridsdale went, where you can't blame anyone else, kind of thing. You can't blame any of the other individuals because the situation was just that much of a mess. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not saying you know Peter Reid shouldn't have done better and we shouldn't have bought better in that kind of window, but. Ultimately, the damage had been done before that. You know, you can't be a hundred billion in debt and expect to be competitive in the Premier League. And then you have Terry Venables come in and get rid of all your experienced players. It's some kind of like ego boosting trip kind of thing that Terry Venables was doing, kind of thing. It was just madness, absolute madness at that point. And and there we are. We're relegated from the uh, from the Premier League into the joys of the championship. Yeah, and Sean, you know, it took them a, a couple of years later, they're down in League One, you know, and, and you're talking about within, I think, six seasons from going from the Champions League to League One. It, it's pretty damning, you know, isn't it, for a club of that stature and uh, and where they were to where they ended up. Yeah, well, it was like fucking out of the fryer pan and into the fire, really, wasn't it? Like, the thing is, the, the Championship now is actually still the very same as yeah. it was then. It, it's... It's arguably the hardest league in the world to get out of. More and you only have to look at what's happened to um, Blackburn, Sunderland, Bolton. Since, like, you can... When you go down, if you haven't got the structure, it's 
it's probably more likely that you're going to go down again than, than come back up. And that's yeah. just how difficult it can be. Unless you're well run, you look at now what it takes to the likes of Bomb and Fulham and Norwich, what they need to do in order to be sort of one of those yo-yo clubs. Like, and Leeds were so, so poorly run that they ended up probably where they belonged after the, the state they were left in. And that's that probably sounds a little bit harsh, but they were treated like a League One club, and that's exactly where they ended up. And it was bought, like, just like I said, with just your negligence that, that led them there. And there was an endless cycle then for them there, like they, they go completely off a cliff. And you can't imagine as a fan base, like the, 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 the famous saying here is once we don't do it, Leeds. Yeah. Like, you yeah, don't want to do it became it. a popular thing. You know, and the, yeah, the, the annoying thing is, as well, is since 2006, we played the playoff final. Um, at the time, it wasn't billed that much as do or die, but it was do or die, and we just we just didn't perform on the night. Who was um, that Yeah, oh, trying remembering that game. Um, you know, oh god, that was such a yeah. It's just, and um, this is what I mean. Was, um, this is it. a collapse to, to coming back up, and then what happens again? Like where you end up? Like so, it, it, the, the thing that annoys me most, Keith, as a, as a football fan, is that that should have been the beginning and ending of all of that shit yeah. of unfit and proper owners. But that wasn't even the end of it for Leeds. They 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 end up with so much shit. You've Bolton the same, Sunderland the same, and it shouldn't be happening. Fortunate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Portsmouth, yeah, like, and the, it just goes to show that, like, is it after the Premier League, like, what sort of shape is the football pyramid in if this is still happening? You know what I mean? And I know that that's a different discussion for a different day, but this should be the case study on, yeah. on what happens if you don't don't run a football club correctly, fit and proper. You could be like, like fucking the song says, you're riding, hiding, able, and you're shut down a mail. Yeah. Literally from Champions League to, to League One, it, it it's frightening. It's absolutely frightening. And teams who come up throwing money around the Premier League, like they've got to be very, very careful what they wish for. Because I'd say we might be wrapping it up, but you look at Graham Potter last week is getting booed off the pitch by Brighton fans, and he turns yeah. around and he says, well, eight in the Premier League. Don't forget <laughs> where you're coming from." So the, Leeds. Leeds should be a case study. It should be put up in front of all of these fans and uh, football clubs who think that they're under shock and ownership uh, being ran badly, that exactly how bad it can get. And the the, the age-old saying is, be careful what you wish for. And Unfortunately, that was not what Leeds wished for. But like fucking Peter Ridsdale was saying, living chasing the dream turned into the ultimate nightmare. Yeah, yeah, indeed it did. Indeed it did. And look, that that's that's the way this thing happened. And you know, Massimo Cellino comes in and and he can't start because he's up on some sort of fraud charge, you know. And there's alarm bells all over this. Like everything about it, he's coming in to fix it. Everybody's coming in to fix it. And we know that Leeds are a huge club. They're a traditionally a huge club. There, as as you touched on earlier, you know, it's a city, one of the biggest cities with one one team in it. They they've a fan base that's um very loyal. They they have everything that's there to succeed. And you look at the likes of Ken Bates sells Chelsea to um Roman Abramovich. Manchester City gets sold um to Tax and Shinawatra at the time because they're looking for big clubs that they can monetize 
And Leeds missed out on that by the the negligence of Peter Ridsdale. You know, he's 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 paying how much for goldfish in the office. Do you know what I mean? I heard there was thirty five executive cars in the car park that weren't used. Yeah. Do you know, like this is scandalous stuff what this fellow was doing, and you know, doesn't put his hand up. You know, so I think it's it's a case of you know we said this before. It's it's Icarus flies too close to the sun, gets born, falls to earth. It's a harsh harsh lesson, but. Leeds are now in a position where, as you, you have both touched on, the new owner is instilling, installing a, a setup there <clears throat> where you think if there is a relegation, which I, I, I don't know, I don't think there will be, but if there is, they're in a better place to tackle that. As Shawnee said, when you've got your Norwiches and your Fulhams that go down, regroup, come back up. I can't see Leeds, but you just never know. And as Shawnee said, this is the case study. This is the, this is the you know, ground zero for this sort of carry on because so many clubs fall for this Birmingham City fell for this crap as well Derby County are in the mire now at the moment you know it's big big traditional clubs that are just falling and falling every single time so it's it's a hard lesson but it's it's a good story to do so look we'll wrap it up there lads um unless you have anything else on this story that you want to add I think that's probably nearly everything is it Oscar yeah I mean it was just it was just after getting relegated in 04, pretty much until Rad's, you know, obviously bought the club in 2017. It was just 13 years of, we had a fantastic kind of three, four years under Simon Grayson, no doubt about it. We rose out of League One, going on FA Cup runs again, very nearly getting to the Premier League. And then Ken Bates goes in and just sells all our best players. Um, it was just, there was a lot of, there's a lot of like new hope and that just led to absolutely nothing. Um, Gary Monk had a spell as well at Leeds and obviously decided to walk to Middlesbrough. Um, it was just, yeah, there was a lot of like false dawns, but ultimately we got there, we got there in the end, which is the main thing. But, um, but yeah, it, it so easily can happen. You know, you spend such a long time at the, at the Premier League. Forest, you know, one, I think they're like 20 years out of the Premier League now. Yeah. Very easily can happen. Very easily can happen. You know, it's such a difficult league to get out of the, get out of the Championship. Um, doesn't matter how good you are, you know. You, when you're playing two games a week for a whole season, pretty much, it, it does it does tell its toll. And um, so, yeah, it, it can it can easily happen again to any club, really. Um, I think now with obviously things like the Super League coming in, um, well, possibly coming in. Let's hope it doesn't come in, but there's a possibility there's going to be some kind of revamp to the Champions League. You'd imagine. Um, I think it's less likely you'll see anything as severe as Leeds in terms of one of the top top clubs in Europe just going into the second division within three seasons. And just you just can't I just can't see that happening again. You know, it's the equivalent of say like Atletico Madrid going into the Spanish second division. It's just you just can't see it happening. Um but um, you never know. But I just think I think what happened as well after Leeds was that a lot of clubs went out of business, but when Leeds went out of business, they were the only clubs got out of business. So you know, you kind of get away with it a little bit if everyone else is going out of business at the same time or everyone else is having financial problems at the same time. You kind of get away get away with it because everyone else is having the same problem. But, um, but yeah, I mean, when we went into League One as well, what should be mentioned too, is we had a 25-point deduction, 10 points in the Championship, 15 in League One. And, yeah, we'd have got, we'd have got out of League One first time about the points deduction and it just summed it all up. You know, everything, everything that could go wrong, did go wrong at that spell, and um, it, it's a snowball effect, isn't it? When yeah. these things happen, and it, it just goes on. But look, it's a bit. Did you watch the Sunderland Till I Die documentary? Yeah, 
you get the feeling with Sunderland, and it was like Leeds where you just thought, the club at that time for 10, 12, 13 years, Leeds United, from kind of like 03 to 2017, it just wasn't built to be a successful club. It didn't matter. You could have had like R9 Ronaldo on the pitch at Leeds, you know, and Kaka on the pitch in Zidane. It still didn't feel like it was built for success. It just felt like every, we were so used to things going wrong. They did go wrong. When I was watching that Sunderland documentary, I was thinking, I remember this. I remember this where you play really well and then all of a sudden you just get hit with a sucker punch and then the whole yeah. atmosphere would just go kind of thing. You know, it, it, I remember that though. And it's fair, it just, it's so easily to happen. It can just so easily happen yeah. to any club. And I just remember watching a documentary like that and thinking, yeah, this was Leeds five, six years ago. <laughs> you know, just, you, yeah. you go into games and you're not excited because of the players on the pitch kind of thing. You're excited about what could happen kind of thing, not what will happen. It, it was just, it was just, yeah, it so easily happened to any club. And look, Liverpool, to be fair, you know, Hicks and Gillette, that could have easily gone another way. And, you know, it, it, it didn't, luckily, no, but um, it could have easily gone another way. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it, football? It's a weird one. This is it. It's why we love it, you know, it's why we love it for, you know, they, they, once it doesn't happen to us. But look, lads, we leave it there. I've taken up enough of you at that time tonight. Oscar, I just want to thank you for coming on and giving us your time, um, you know, to talk about this because we could sit and talk about it as, as fans from the outside. But to get that sort of, info, you know, the, the feeling from inside the club, it's great. So thanks very much for coming on and having this No problem at all. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Come on anytime you want me, lads. Good stuff. Good 100%. Stuff. 100%. I love... You could literally spend days talking about this stuff, like, you know what yeah. I mean? But thankfully for you, you are on the rise again, Oscar. But we, we look, you will have to get better at selling your best players on. So I'll look forward to seeing Rafinha in red next year. <laughs> uh, you, let's see, let's see. I don't, I don't think you like to afford him now, though. To be fair, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. With Fabinho, Alison, and Bobby Firmino, we're working on him on international duty. So uh, we'll see what happens. But look. We just, we just listen, and um, we'll wrap it up there. It's been a great show. It's been good looking back at at this, and this is what the show is all about. So, lads, thanks very much for coming on. Everybody in the chat, thanks very much for watching and joining. And remember, hit the like, subscribe, spread the word. This isn't Liverpool. We're doing stuff on all clubs, and that's what we want to get the word out there. Spread it around. We'll try and build this channel up as much as we can. We enjoy doing these things, and we hope you enjoy it too. But let's try and get the the word out there and get more uh, interaction and, and, and action going in the chat. So, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. This has been the Man on Football Show, and we'll see us all again next week.